Good morning. Again, my name is uh, Jerome. My friends call me uh, Jay. I was born and raised in the Philippines. We came here last uh, 2016 to uh, start my graduate uh, studies at uh, Westminster. Last May, I was able to uh, finish the first half of my uh, training, and this coming September, I will be embarking on a new, um, I'll be uh, continuing my, 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 my studies. And uh, perhaps some of you can uh, still recognize me. I was, I co-preached with uh, our dear brother Jim last October uh, 15. It's just amazing how God orchestrated everything. Well, by the way, if I would mess up this morning, uh, blame Jim because he paved the way for this. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so grateful to Jim for giving me that opportunity and that privilege to uh, uh, minister with him that uh, Sunday. And going back to how good and gracious God is, God knows that we would be needing a community after that. After I preached the day after that, my wife needed to be admitted in the uh, uh, hospital. She needed to be induced. And then the following day, my second child was, uh, was born. Um, he's, he's beautiful. But uh, we had to uh, stay in the NICU for uh, three months because he was diagnosed with a rare genetic uh, condition. It's a lifetime uh, condition, and I hope that you can imagine our life after that. It's been going back and forth to uh, the, uh, the hospital for checkups, appointments, uh, follow-ups, and we are praying that uh, the Lord will continue to uh, sustain us and sustain uh, Mateo because the doctor has lined up series of uh, surgeries uh, for him and um, you heard me uh, saying that time when I preached that my purpose in life as a believer is to follow Christ whenever wherever whatever it uh, takes and then after that it was really a very very challenging um, moment of uh, our, our lives. And, and adding something to that, last uh, February, my son, Yosef, uh, underwent a, uh, a, a surgery, and we thought that it was, it was just an injury. And, um, but we found out that he has an autoimmune um, uh, disease. It affected his knee joints and also the back of his eyes are so inflamed. He is in uh, medication also right now and there's also a possibility for him to undergo a surgery. Now, looking back, I, I feel no sorry for saying that my goal is to follow Christ whenever, wherever, whatever it takes. I stand here before you and my prayer is still to be faithful to the Lord. For my family, be faithful to the Lord. Every time that I would look at Mateo, I would say, 
you're so, you're so beautiful. I know that God is going to use you mightily. And my prayer for them is for them not only to have saving faith, but also to have serving faith so that they could be a channel of God's blessing to his people and to those people who are still groping in the, in the darkness. My message this uh, morning is entitled, Blessed to be a Blessing. And maybe um, most of you, if not all, are very familiar with the, with the phrase. And uh, I would like to uh, share with you um, a, a, this is my family, okay? The eldest is Yosef, uh, the baby is uh, Mateo, and that's my wife, uh, uh, Rachel. This is one of my favorite uh, hymns. I'm not going to uh, sing it. I will just read the, the lyrics. It was uh, written by Luther Barnes. It says here, Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove through every moment you live. Give as was given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. And this is my prayer for all of us, that God would indeed make us all a blessing to all the people around us. That's a sweet prayer, but that is also a very costly prayer. If you have your Bible, please uh, turn it to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, and uh, I will read verse 8 through verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And the Lord add blessing upon the reading of his word. This passage is something, is asking something of us that is not just difficult, but also impossible apart from Christ. So pray with me that the Lord would help us do it. Let's pray. Father, you are the God who loved your enemies, the king who died to rescue rebels against you, the lover who remains when we spurn you and play foolish games with you. For that, we praise you and ask that you continue in your faithfulness to help us this morning. Help us to hear and understand your word. Help us to know how much grace has been shown to us and help us and give grace to those around us. We ask this for the sake of the honor of Jesus, that he might be seen in us, and he alone be worshipped as the gracious Savior of sinners, even sinners like us. Amen. This is just a sort of a review about the purpose why the Apostle Peter wrote this book, and I would just be... Uh, 
mentioning two of the purposes why he wrote this book. Number one, to encourage this, the church. It was written to uh, those believers who are described in the book as exiles, strangers. They were scattered abroad in the five regions of the Roman Empire to encourage. Why? Because they are being persecuted, vilified, accused, oppressed. And so he wrote this book to remind them about the blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And uh, he wrote this book so that he could exhort believers to be faithful to the Lord in worship, in fellowship, and in their witness, in their gospel ministry. And these are some of the outstanding truths that we can glean from uh, this book. First one is that in chapter 1, Peter said something about the blessings that we have in Christ. And I believe that this is a good starting point before we uh, begin to unpack the seriousness and the magnitude of the injunction and the imperative that he mentioned in verses 8 to 12 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, we need to understand first that in Christ, we are blessed. In fact, the Apostle Paul said the same thing in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. He said that in Christ, we have received every spiritual blessing. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said that all the things that we need that that we need that pertain to life and godliness, God has given us. As you look at yourself right now, as, a, as you look at your identity in Christ right now, I hope that you will not be oblivious or forgetful of the fact that in Christ, you are blessed. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing and the blessings that we need that pertain to life and godliness. And because he has blessed us, that privilege, that blessing entails what? A responsibility. He blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. To the members of the church, he said, all of you. After saying something about our responsibility toward our leaders as citizens of a particular uh, country, as a servant or as an employee, as a spouse in marriage, he addressed all believers in the church. He said, all of you, God calls us to bless others. And this pleases God when we bless others. And there's a promise in that passage, 1 Peter 3, 8 to 12. When we bless others, God promised that he will bless us all the more. He will bless us. We will obtain an inheritance, a blessing. The source is the Lord, the one who is sustaining us, the one who is blessing us, will continue to bless us and will bless us all the more when Jesus Christ returns. And you know that that is our blessed hope. It's not a place. It's not a different face. But it is the presence of Jesus. We will see him face to face. That is our blessed hope. The person of our Savior and Lord 
Jesus Christ. When we look at the structure of, uh, of the book, I think that this is really uh, beautiful, and I hope that this is something that you would appreciate. There's this indicative and imperative dynamics. Peter shows the relationship between the indicative and the imperative in English. When we talk about the verbs, verbs are expressed through tense uh, and moods. Also, Greek verbs have uh, tense and moods. We have the indicative mood and we have the imperative mood. The indicative mood indicates or expresses an objective fact or reality. It makes a statement or asks a question. It is declarative, denoting a simple assertion or interrogation. It is the mood of certainty. As to the New Testament, the indicative refers to what God has done for believers in Christ. It declares the reality of what Christ has done for us. So this is the God side of the, of the equation. The imperative mood, in contrast, expresses a command, an order, a request, or an exhortation. It is the mood of volition. And theologically, the imperative calls on believers to live in a certain way. For example, in a godly manner. Be holy, for I am holy. If I would sum up what, what the Apostle Peter is uh, exhorting the believers to do in verse 8, to live in harmony, to promote fellowship with one another. So, this is the believer's side of the, of the equation. So, to put it uh, simply, it is expressed like this. God has done this. Therefore, you should do that. Because God has already blessed you. The duty that He gives you would become a delight. You would do it, not because you ought to. You would do it because you love to. It is not overwork, but an overflow because you are so grateful. Grateful to the one who has blessed you tremendously. So here, there are three things that I would like us to, uh, to look at. First is uh, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. I would like to say that uh, here, the Apostle Peter is talking about the attitudes and actions of God's covenant people. Now, when we think about the indicative, like what I said, apart from Christ, it is impossible. But in Christ, it's difficult, but it is what? It is possible. So when we talked about the qualities that promote fellowship, the qualities that uh, we need to uh, flesh out in order for us to build up one another, to build the church of, uh, of, uh, of God, we need to be uh, reminded we need to be reminded that God has already empowered us and He will enable us. Why? Because of our personal union with Christ. When we talked about fellowship, when we talked about harmony, 
need to talk about communion of saints. But where there is no union, there is no communion. There will be no communion of saints if we are not united to Christ. So here, in particular, the Apostle Peter exhorting the believers to bless everyone in the family of faith. This should be our mindset. This should be our attitudes. These are the qualities that we need to possess in, all, in order to build up one another. Now, when you look at this in the, uh, in the Greek, these five qualities are all adjectives with imperatival uh, force. First Peter has much to say about how Christians should relate to the world. But it also has much to say about how Christians should relate to one another. Peter even points to this, relating to one another, as above all in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. The fitting place to begin our focus on this theme is 1 Peter 1.22, a passage that holds together the indicative and the imperative quite clearly. This verse begins, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincerely brotherly love. What does obedience mean here? I like what Dr. Crow said, one of my professors at Westminster. Westminster. He said, it refers to past action of having believed the gospel with the present implication of now being set apart to God. In other words, obedience in 122 is our belief in the gospel message. And please note that the indicative is not only the apostle's concern here, since he also notes here that the purpose for our salvation is for the sake of a sincere brotherly love. And he used the same word in chapter 3, verse 8. He used the word Philadelphia or brotherly love. I believe that that is the center of all the qualities that he mentioned. In verse 8, he said, unity of mind, it's similar to humility, and sympathy is similar to being tender-hearted, and the center is brotherly love. And what is the point here? That our love for one another is informed by the gospel, and this love flows from a heart that is pure. And the Bible gives us a picture of this love. In fact, the Bible does not give us a definition of love. Love is illustrated. Love is demonstrated by our Savior, by Jesus Christ himself, to love as the Master loved. In John chapter 13, Jesus gave this command to his disciples, love one another, so that people around you will see that you are indeed my disciples. But before he gave them the command, Jesus Christ demonstrated it. Jesus Christ, wa Jesus Christ washed their feet. He served them. And John chapter 13 verse 1 said, he loved them until the end. And what kind of love is this? It's a love that is unselfish. It is a love that is benevolent. It gives. Someone said you can love without, uh, you can love without, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. It is a love 
that is unselfish. It is also a love that is unconditional. When you look at the apostles of Jesus Christ, those that Jesus Christ chose to be his apostles, you have a tax collector hated, hated by the Jews. We have a guerrilla, a zealot. We have um, this, this, this two individuals who are called the sons of thunder, James and, uh, and John. The Lord demonstrated that. If there is one word that I would use to describe the word, to describe Jesus Christ, I would choose the word beautiful. Although there was no camera that was able to capture the physical uh, features of Jesus, but he was described by Dr. Luke in Luke 252 as someone who grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Let me ask you this question. Why is Jesus the only person in history who was able to magnetize, who managed to attract the notoriously imperfect? Why? Because Jesus took the initiative to come to people. Because Jesus accepted them and loved them unconditionally. Because Jesus touched people's needs. And those who were touched by this beautiful Jesus came out as changed individuals. You see, it's possible that we can build up one another to build up the church because God has given us all the resources that we need to do that. To do that. We can also relate this theme of loving to the theme of exiles. Our brothers and sisters in Christ should be singularly precious to us as those who share in our exile. We have the same Father, the same Savior, and the same Spirit, and we look ahead together to a shared hope. And perhaps you have even had the experience of crossing paths with a fellow Christian at a time of great frustration or difficulty, a time when you could almost feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. And if ever you have been, ever been blessed by the encouragement of a fellow Christian at a time like this, then you know how refreshing it can be. It lifts your spirit, it renews your faith, and encourages you to cling anew to Christ and his promises. Build up one another. Verse 9, bless one another. Bless those that are in the family of God and bless your foes. It's so easy for us to love the lovable. But how about the unlovable? Those who hurt you, those who vilified you, those who accuse you, those who criticize you. How can you love them? How can you love them? We bless one another by restraining our, our tongue. You know, someone said that the tongue being in a wet place is up to slip. <laughs> yeah. We need to control our tongue. By it, we praise God. And we can also hurt others. We can also offend others. By what? By manipulating them. Manipulating a situation or manipulating people by gossiping. 
gossiping. You know, the word gossip in the Greek is daimonion. Well, there's nothing good about that uh, word. And I know if you, you, if you don't know Greek, you already know what that, what that means, daimonion. It destroys. It destroys a relationship. By our tongue, we can offend the people. So let's control our tongue. Let's turn away from evil and do good. See here, the Apostle Peter said, do not repay evil with evil, but the hardest part is this. Do good. It echoes the teaching of Jesus Christ. And uh, when he was there on the mount with his disciples, and we call this the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus Christ said, love your enemies, do good to them, and pray for them. How do we do good to other people, to our enemies? By praying. Praying for them. You pray for their welfare and you pray for their salvation. Seek and pursue peace. Seek and pursue peace. This uh, imperative to bless uh, one another is actually a, a call to costly, uh, to costly grace. One of the experiences that God used to uh, draw me closer to him was the difficult relationship I had with my father. My dad did the most selfish act a person can do. He left us for another woman. He bailed on us. So my mom raised us alone. She was a single mom raising four kids. Sometimes she worked two jobs. I remember my mom one time look at, looking at me saying, if it, if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would be here. This affected my whole life. I had all these emotions toward my dad. Anger, hate, sorrow, and frustration. The strain lasted into my college years when I said yes to God. When I said yes to the call, to God's call into the ministry. I was young, immature, brash, a little cocky, and I didn't know nearly as much as I thought I did. When I spoke of being a preacher or pastor, I would feel a nudge in my spirit. Because I was harboring something in my heart against my dad. I was excelling in my classes, doing good, but my life was shallow. I, I felt that there's something missing. I lacked the character necessary to be a pastor or a preacher. I knew that unless my life changed, I would not succeed. In 1999, in one of our chapel services, I heard for the very first time about the importance of a clean conscience. The speaker said we couldn't be free to move forward until we forgive those who hurt us and ask forgiveness of those who we had hurt. When he said that, I knew that God was speaking to me. I knew I had to go to talk to my dad. That wasn't an easy thing to do because my dad was unaware of what he did. He was not making any move to reach out to us. But God prevailed. I went to my dad and asked for forgiveness. I forgave him. And I told him that in spite of everything that happened, he's still my dad. And I love him. I learned from this experience that forgiveness is a willful decision in a moment in time. It doesn't make the other person right, but it sets you free. Sometimes we think that when we forget, we forgive, 
we are setting a prisoner free only to realize that the prisoner was you. It's like setting a prisoner free only to discover that the real prisoner was you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. If you have been offended by someone, you're hurting. What did the passage say? Seek peace. If your brother or sister is not taking the initiative, chase peace, pursue peace, promote peace. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In this uh, passage, we see a theme of Peter's coming again to the surface, building one another, blessing one another. When we are blessed in Christ and in turn bless others, this word gives us a promise that such, such faith that such faith and obedience will be seen and blessed by the Lord. This is the expectation of our future blessing in Christ. Bless, Peter says, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. This is comforting. He was, he's the one who will defend us. He's the, the, the true avenger. He's the one who says, vengeance is mine. And this means chastisement. For the wicked, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Quoting Psalm 34, which we also use in the beginning of our service, Peter understands that the blessing of God on his people has always led them to bless others in return, and that is pleasing to God. It pleases him, and he gives more blessing. A lovely life and good days are the rewards for the people of God. Now, some people turn this to say that real Christians don't suffer, that God wouldn't allow that. But that doesn't fit with everything else we've heard in 1 Peter. One of his main points is that suffering actually typifies our time in the story right now. But in the suffering, there is a joy that belongs to the people of God in Christ. In Christ, we do love life. In Christ, we do see good days with the promise of better days to come. Now, if you're thinking, Jay, I don't feel very righteous. How can the Lord look at me and listen to me? Then take heart. Take heart because the righteous one mentioned in Psalm 34 is ultimately Jesus. And as we humbly come to him, confessing our, our, our unworthiness and receiving his grace, we can know for certain that his own righteousness is given to us. His righteousness is ours so that when God looks at us, he sees only his beloved son with whom he is well pleased. Because of Jesus, the smile of God is upon you. And because of Jesus, God's ear is open to you when you pray. That is the blessing we have in Christ. 
and in him we have the promise of more blessing still to come. It is the hope for today and hope for tomorrow that helps us recklessly bless others today. I hope that that will be our prayer. Lord, make me a blessing today. Let's pray. Father, this remains a hard calling for us. So for Jesus' sake, we ask that you help us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may that knowledge humble us even as it creates inexpressible joy in us so that we might see ourselves in those who hurt us and bless them really and truly. As you help us, Father, may you use us to draw many to yourself. We ask great things of our great God, praying it all in the name of the righteous one, Jesus, whose prayers are always answered. Amen.